Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at various places of shelter around the metropolitan New York area. I'm Calvin Reed, <coughs> Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly, Editor of PW Comics World, and Editor of the Fanatic PW's twice-a-month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes and on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. And also, don't forget that you can like us, you can share us, you can leave us a comment, rate us on iTunes or any other podcast platform of your choosing. Let us know how we're doing. Yeah, you know. Seriously. And we appreciate it because sometimes you'll catch things we don't notice and we'll be like, wow, that's going wrong. Let's fix it for people. Yeah, and if, we, you, if you assume message you know in a something, bottle. yeah. It you know, is it. We we yeah. don't necessarily yeah, know. We don't. We don't know. <laughs> let, us, let us know what you feel. Come on. Message in a bottle. Anything will do. All right. All right. This week on More to Come. Uh, and I say this with uh, with heavy heart, DC uh, – oh, a bloodbath at DC. Uh, maybe a smaller one at the IDW. Uh, <laughs> the Bianca Eunice affair. Econs continue to come. Uh, the CBLDF has a new interim. Executive Director Jeff Trexler, sell through. All right. Well, you see, and uh, much more. Yeah. Oh boy. Where to yeah. begin? <laughs> so uh, we are not original in calling this a bloodbath. This is uh, apparently the words that many DC and former DC employees are using to describe this exciting business event. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just like. You know, I would say it was about 5 o'clock on Monday, maybe 4 o'clock on Monday, and I was sitting at my computer, and all of a sudden, my IMs and DMs uh, just started going nuts, and they were all like, it's a bloodbath at DC. And I was like, what do you mean? And then people started telling me names. Uh, so anyway, you know what? Yeah. Look, enough about how I gather the news. The bottom line is <laughs> uh, Warner Media... Uh, has a new guy in charge, uh, mm-hmm. Jason. Now I, I always forget his last name. Uh, Jason Scalar, I think. He just got on, on last Friday, there was, uh, a week ago, there was a big shakeup with the programming yeah. heads. Uh, two very, uh, dis, uh, long running programming executives were let go and with the promise that there would be more, uh, changes. And on Monday, the word was out that between six and eight hundred people would be yeah. laid off across Warner Media. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was thought that remote offices might be hit hard. Everybody kind of expected that DC Universe, the streaming service, which la- launched a couple of years ago, would be hit because of HBO Max, which we'll get to. Uh, and, you know, there was some suspicion that, uh, DC Comics itself would be hit, but not quite at, at this level. Uh, basically, the editor-in-chief, Bob Harris, is gone. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, you know, he has a long title, but let's just say he was like the guy who oversaw marketing and, mm. uh, advertising and a lot of business functions. Uh, Hank Canals, a long sure. time. Really long media. time. Uh, employee mm-hmm. uh, was, uh, gone, uh, Bob, uh, 
Bobby Chase, who had launched the kids line, but was recently in new media development is gone. Brian Cunningham, the story editor, longtime editor mm-hmm. is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they let go Mark Doyle, Andy Corey, two editors ah. who were doing the black label line. Now, You're right, which is you know, interesting. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, Jonah Wyland, the VP of marketing oh, was yeah, also sure. mm-hmm. gone. A couple of people below him. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, people were criticized for, you know, don't name the names of people who are let go. It's their jobs. But, you know, when, when executives of this level of a, are, are yeah, let yeah, go, yeah. it's, it's, it's unfortunately you can't hide it. it's very newsworthy. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, really can't. And, and, um, and one question I have is I'm hearing this number of like 600 plus as far as Warner Brothers as a whole. Do we know how many of those approximately are DC? There's some estimates. What are um, the estimates? I guess. I mean, yeah. what I've seen floating around, I've seen it in, in print. Is, uh, like, did a third of the staff? You know, they said a third of the editorial staff. The editorial was staff. What and, is that numbers-wise? Like how many uh, people? Boy, well, that could have been probably, you know, there's probably 30 people in editorial, 40 people in editorial, 50 people. I mean, I think DC had between 150, 200 employees in New York. Uh, I don't know how many I had in LA, but I'm guessing it had a somewhat similar number. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, uh, uh, you know, it was a, I, I, from what I'm hearing, it sounds pretty accurate. I mean, I've also heard anecdotally that people at the director level will let go, mm-hmm. um, but not as well known. I mean, they have so many VPs at DC Comics. Mm-hmm. Like the masthead is bloated with people with these long ass titles like, you know, branding. VP of everything. Uh, yeah. And, and, but they're not as well known in the comics community. I mean, I have to say some people who are really well-known in the comics community. Yeah, loved, that's for like, sure. Oh, and some yeah. long-term employees. You know, I'm just, uh, since it's not in print, I just, uh, you know, names. Names I have heard of. But I mean, you know, Vince Letario. Vince had been at, at DC for like 30 years, almost 30 years. He was probably their longest employee. Uh, he's beloved figure in the comics industry. Everybody knows Vince. Um, he is a friend to everyone. Uh, just really a great person. Uh, as I understand it, after um, I, he was very instrumental, he did print runs. I, I heard that. I mean, I don't know. He was like their most veteran person mm-hmm. on uh, the DM sales. Uh, so that leaves us with the question of who is left. And supposedly, though, scuttlebutt is that Jim Lee will continue yeah. on in his yeah. role as chief creative officer. Uh, and oversee kind of, you know, DC in all phases of the company, but then they're bringing in some kind of general manager, supposedly from the esports world, to kind of be the hmm. publisher. Esports? Yeah, it seems interesting. That doesn't seem like it has anything, like, I feel like it's one of those things where, like, people who know nothing about, like, geek media are like, oh, esports, that's a geek thing, comics are a geek thing, like, it'll work, and it's like, um, no! No, they really don't have anything to do with each other. They really – maybe the same people enjoy both, but that doesn't really mean they're anything alike. Yeah, I mean I have no idea why they you – know, you know, I do assume though that you know, being able to navigate networks I guess is going to always be kind of a key element in how these properties uh, you know, project their brand. So, But yeah, it seems sort of baffling to me uh, as well. Now, the kind of good news – uh, if you can find some good news in this is that 
apparently, you know, we have a lot of interims on this, this podcast, but apparently, uh, editorial will be run in the interim, uh, by Marie Javens, a very mm-hmm. long time. Also long time, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. DC editor and, uh, Michelle Wells, who's kind of been spearheading the kids line. See, uh, she's interesting, of course, because, I mean, that's, I mean, that's clearly the future there. I mean, she's, but she's kind of she instructed this whole new, Graphic novel kids and YA publishing program isn't that pretty much the case? Or she certainly has been overseeing it. She's been overseeing it. I do understand. I don't think she started it, but she no. Did. I understand yeah. that Bobby Chase and Marie Javens were actually yeah, yeah. quite involved yeah. in it as well. And but you know they brought Michelle Wells over from mm. Disney Publishing. And yeah, uh, have you met her at all, Calvin? I've and interviewed you? her. I've interviewed oh, yeah. her on the phone, but I have. I, I don't think I've met her face to face. But uh-huh. uh, I, I I did some stories about what they're trying to do, how they were trying to refocus their publishing, and the success that they've had since they've launched that line. Now, I know she 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 didn't necessarily start it, uh, but she but she clearly uh, was brought in to kind of oversee it, it seems. Yeah, so she seems like somebody who knows what she's doing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. She's got a long career, career on the, on the uh, YA and children's publishing side as well uh, before she moved over to this side. So my feeling is she's got trade book experience, it's kind of, you know, obviously for Sounds me, like I think that's bet. important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's Much the direct the esports. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, this, that, yeah, this makes perfect sense. Her background, what she's doing now, what she's been overseeing. I mean, um, I think I interviewed her about, you know, bringing in YA authors to do uh, many of their, you know, and parenting up with artists, basically teaching these novelists, these prose novelists who really wanted to write for comics. Uh, helping them transition over into DC's program. Some big best-selling, uh, you know, YA and middle grade authors also. Yes. And, you know, the reality is that DC's YA and kids lines have been very successful in the mm-hmm. book market and in comic shops. They've also yeah. sold very well in sure, comic why shops. Why not? Yeah. No, they're good. They're well done. Um, they put together interesting, um, you know, Artist groups, they, I think they won a couple of awards too, isn't, you know, the, I mean, Mariko is doing books for them yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tamaki. Yeah. And she, everything she does seems to win a Yeah, Harley Quinn break, Breaking Glass. Yeah. I think that, really that, well, that won yeah. some, uh, so won an Eisner award. Yeah. So, yeah. They're diverse, yeah. they're inclusive, they're forward looking books, they're imaginative, well illustrated. It's, I mean, they, she, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so what do you think this will make, what, what, what do you think this will mean? For what's actually coming out of DC, like clearly, if they have less staff, they're planning less books. When do you think this is going to come down, or we'll find out well, where this is leading? What I'm more concerned with is what I've seen Heidi write about. What what is Pam Lifford's role, and how is her taste or vision, or uh, how the, how is that impacting DC Comics? Well, I mean, that's interesting too. Well, the, the, you know, we haven't barely even mentioned, but um, so the areas that seem to have been targeted the most were, well, DC Collectibles is done. All it's right. Gone, yeah, so gone DC completely. Direct, which was, uh, for those who don't know, was it's uh, a toy line that DC designed and sold. Um, I mean, it's been around for, for you know, since the 90s. Um, it had some really talented people working on it. They put out some really great figures. Not to my taste, really, but, um, you know, they did some great stuff. Uh, they, you know, cast, uh, cold cast resin figures and so yeah, on. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, it held its own. I mean, I wouldn't say the bottom had fallen out of that. I mean, figures are pretty popular still, Mm -hmm. uh, the collectible figures. So, and, and, and it also created a lot of its own IP. Like they, uh, the DC directed the, the bombshells line, which again, not really my style, but you know, um, (laughs) actually the book. Okay. I will say that I think the bombshell line was really well written (laughs) as books. I'm not talking about like whatever the action figures. Yes, you know what? Absolutely, but you know what? That's what I mean by IP. You know, they created this line and uh, spun it off into other media. So, so you know, DC Direct, DC Collectibles, absolutely created IP. You know, it redeveloped the characters in new ways, and uh, you know, was very creative. Uh, So, but that's gone. You know, now Pam, the handwriting's kind of been on the wall for that. Uh, it did seem like, you know, Pam Lifford comes from a toy background, you know, licensing background. Um, so she certainly gets that business. And I guess the idea is just license it out. Why are we, you know, yeah, uh, like to do that? Uh, see how. There is some rumors that she just doesn't like adult oriented material see, and she doesn't like to see the comics going that way. Well, I think the fact that, you know, Mark Doyle and Andy Corey, who were doing the Black Label books, which have been very successful, uh, got laid off, uh, kind of speaks for itself. Mm, yeah, I, mean, I, think I'm, I'm, ne- I think she never got over the Batman damned Batman. No, no, I don't think I, she ever did. No, okay, I'm told by people <laughs> that that was way overblown. Okay, yeah. okay well, so that actually that's good to hear. That's good to hear. I mean, she's a global. She's a global business manager. I mean, I would have to think that she would have a, a broader vision than that. Yeah, exactly. You never yeah. know. Batman showed people his are people. petty. Yeah. So, people can be petty. Yeah. Uh, so have you heard more about her vision for – No, uh, not, not yet, but uh, I, I have everybody I asked who uh, seemed to be in a position of knowledge. I said, do you think these cuts came from AT&T or from Pam? And they're like, well, certainly AT&T said we need cuts, okay? And, if you know, everyone who got cut certainly made a lot of money, all right? Everybody had been right. there for a long time, undoubtedly had very high salaries. So I do think sure. that was a factor. But then everybody said, you know – uh, the decision of how to do it was all, you know, Pam's to do. Uh, one other area that was cut was collected editions. Uh, Jeb Woodard, who runs collected, the editor, group editor over collected editions, was also let go, as was Scott Nybach, and uh, another long-term, you know, 25-year DC veteran. Um, so I'm told that editors will now edit their own collections, which sounds horrible. Um, so... Yeah. And didn't uh, you, did, didn't you also report or, or the beat report the, that there was a whole level of junior editors that were untouched? Yes, that's correct. So that's mm-hmm. what, you know, uh, everybody seems to be saying that, you know, if you were over a certain level, yeah. made a lot of money, then you probably got cut. And you know, look, DC had layoffs last year, as you might recall. Mm-hmm. They laid off Mark Chiarello, their art director, right, right, John right. Cunningham, who was a, a right. so the, and, and a bunch of other people. They laid off a bunch of expensive people. You know, yeah, and so uh, I'm told uh, that this would have happened even without COVID, which is a sobering thought, mm-hmm. uh, and that maybe I'm not entirely clear how it fits in with Diamond and Luna. Yeah, good point too. Yes, and yeah, you know, it's, it's, I, I mean we haven't. Even it's stuff been that. happening that we didn't even think about uh, in terms of um, uh, of what DC strategic plan or the, the AT and T's strategic plan is for DC. Uh, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, 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 I haven't, you know, it's, it's, it's a little hard in Calvin and Kate, as you yeah. both know. You know, we're here in isolation and, you know, normally you'd go to a Comic Con and, and you'd be, you know, BEA or something and you'd walk around, you'd run into people and you start chit chatting and you learn all this stuff. But, you know, now it's, it's very, you have to be sitting here and purposefully say, huh, I wonder why that happened. And then you have to try to scope out that story. And guess what? That's way more time consuming, right, Calvin? Well, it's true, you know, you, and then you bring up a good point. We're missing out. We've missed out on, uh, a big, a, a, a huge amount of scuttlebutt uh, that would have been – you would have generate just from serendipitous, uh, you know, ambling through one uh, pop culture convention or another from the yeah. big ones to the small ones. Uh, so we're, we, we've lost a lot of intel as well as, um, you know, being able to do what we do, you know, during the convention season. So yeah. it's – yeah, it's tough on the news business too, folks. It 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 is, and uh, you know, sounds like we are whining, but I, I'm just saying it's not even intel- intelligence. I mean, it's just that serendipity yeah. of when you yeah. run into colleagues and you know sure. you you talk about things and yeah. and you you know it's it, it's um stimulating. Uh, yeah. So anyway, and that's um, gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gone. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, what we, we we clearly hear. I mean, I mean, not. Too long ago, uh, there was speculation of whether AT would just sort of like zero out DC Comics. I mean, I mean, I, I never really thought that was quite possible, but you never know. So I am curious now where where the company is headed. Yeah. Is there a vision for it? What, of course, you know, with me, where what do they see the book? Where do they see the book trade, and where do they see just um, sophisticated material beyond children? Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Well, I mean, like I was saying, I wonder what this is going to mean for the books. Like, yeah. you know, what creators are going to stay, what books are going to stay. Like, where is this all going content-wise? Do yeah, you guys have and the theories? floppy. And the floppy, too. Yeah. I mean, there is, yeah, and I mean, you know, is this the end of floppies? You know, on, on the day this happened, I mean, understandably, everybody was very glum and sad. I mean, it's very depressing when this happens in the industry. You know, it's like these are sure. colleagues. um, and, uh, you know, most of them, which one exception, which I will get back to, um, you know, people are very sad that when people lose work yeah. and I mean, it's just gen- generally sad. And uh, but, you know, uh, the, most of the people I talked to on on Monday were like, you know, this means they're going to just license out the comics. They're not going to publish anymore. And, you know, since then, I don't think it's well, going there yet. They, yeah. People say that every, you know, five years or so. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's part of what I'm talking to. I remember when people were saying, oh, they're going to zero them out. They can they can license them out. Why do they have to do it? NTT doesn't get what they do anyway. So and I, I and I actually do believe that's true. But I think at some level they have to know that this thing does generate enormous and valuable IP if for no other reason. Yeah. Um, so so I'm I'm told that um, I'm told that that obviously D.C is a huge priority within uh the AT&T Warner Media family and you know especially for HBO Max um you know yeah. like so i mean DC universe is moving a lot some of the shows are moving over there uh you know DC content is integral to HBO Max but you know look i got to be honest we've been talking about HBO Max since may i still can't get it on my <laughs> roku okay <laughs> i still Yikes. cannot and i also i tried to 
freaking. I know Kate doesn't like it when I swear, but I so want to swear because because I got this. We can off- believe it, Heidi. Yeah, we there got this go. offer to, to sign up for it, and and you know at a discounted price. I'm like, okay, that's the way to go. So, you know, on a, a free month. Uh, is it, it averages out. It's much cheaper if you get a discount. So I signed up for it. Guess what? I didn't get it. Like, I remember distinctly signing up for this, putting all my information in, and it didn't go through. So it's like, <laughs> HBO Max, take my money. Why are you – you are – I hope customer service, you know, picks this up. It's a botched launch. <laughs> it's, it's annoying. It's a yeah. botched <laughs> launch. You have a streaming service with tons of great content launching mm-hmm. when people are s- freaking stuck at home and you can't even get it on the two biggest um, streaming devices. I mean, come on, AT&T. Look, I've had AT&T phone service for 20 years, so I know what they do. But come on. So all right, all right. You know. no, simmer down, simmer down. Oh. <laughs> Let's get back on, on track here. <laughs> yeah, but I you know what I think this is part of the whole process. Well, sure. I mean But I mean if you're asking what's the future of DC, guess what? This is all tied together. And you Well, know, you're I'm, absolutely right. And, and I'm gonna bring up another rumor here, uh, that was I was hearing some rumblings about Crunchyroll and then sure enough. Uh, that just came out today that they are trying to sell Crunchyroll. And, and you guys can talk about Crunchyroll just in case people don't know what that is. Well, it's an amazing story, really. I mean, for those of us who remember what, what they started as, which was, you know, basically, you know, pirates. <laughs> and uh, now they're just at this incredible, like, force in st- streaming anime. And all, uh, they don't seem to be doing as much with manga, are they, Kate? As they used to. I mean, they never they had a lot. They anything with manga. They don't do anything. I mean, they didn't have a lot, but they had some pretty cool stuff when they did. They did, but they, they axed that line years ago. They axed ago. that all they out now. So I know it's it, but, but you know, if you want, I'm, if you love I mean, anime, you, you got to love Crunchyroll. You know, yeah. I mean, even I have a cat. I mean, I don't use it I, as much know, as I used to, but. I, I love Crunchyroll. Yeah. Um, I, I actually have a Verve subscription so that I can, um, yeah. get high dive as well. And, um, you know, I mean, they have, they have Thunderbolts Fantasy. They have Legend of the Galactic Heroes. They have like all kinds of things. Like basically, it's not just the big names. Like oh, right. you know, the, like My Hero Academia and Naruto, <laughs> who everyone's heard of, which are great books. I'm not of course I'm just saying but, like there are deep cuts in there, right? Like yeah. they have a Im- very impressive cast. Yeah, it seems like everything. Yeah, I mean, you know, I like I said, I mean, Kate can really drill down on it. You know, I I tend to go to look at the big stuffs. You know, that is like, oh, I haven't heard this yet. But uh, I mean, no, where else would you family. go? I have very specific tastes. Yes, yes. Um, well, you and you have broad and, and very comprehensive taste too. I mean, you you know, I you know it better than I do. But I have the my little things that I like, and yeah, um, which you should enjoy. And you can usually find them on Crunchyroll. So yeah, yeah. Well, according to a story in Variety, I'm just going to read it. Uh, well, it just came out uh, today, or yesterday, actually, uh, yesterday afternoon. Warner Money is looking to offload Crunchyroll, its anime subscription streaming service, with an asking price of at least $1 billion, as parent company AT&T seeks to pay down debt, sources oh, writing. Yeah. Well, if they can buyers, sell it for a billion dollars. One of the potential buyers is Sony Pictures, which operates the competing Funimation service. Warner's oh, interesting. So Crunchyroll's previously, blah, 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 said the media company wanted $1.5 billion for the stream but a source familiar with Warner Media's plan said that was much higher than companies expected to get for Crunchyroll, which is being pitched to additional buyers besides Sony. So if Sony has Funimation and buys Crunchyroll, I don't know. That doesn't sound good to me. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I guess. Well, I mean, why does it sound bad to you? 
I mean, consolidation is how these the industries. Yeah, that's true. Work. But consolidation, you know. I mean, does yeah. But I mean, I mean, it depends. I mean, if if things get cheaper, yes. If they don't, maybe not. I don't know. Well, I honestly. I mean, point I mean, I'm real honest. Funimation service is not awesome. Uh-huh. This could be like how will we put this? A Lion Forge Oni thing where like. <laughs> Oh, the God. parent company gets a more experienced uh. staff and better infrastructure in the deal. The people, if they buy it, the people I'd be worried for are the people who work at Funimation right now. Because Crunchyroll is, is the number one in the industry. It's in the standard, industry. yeah. There's so. no one who comes up to them even slightly. And so, you know, if somebody else buys them, and is willing to pay a billion dollars for them, if they've already got an anime division, I would not want to be in that anime division. No. Uh-huh. Yeah, so here you go. So anyway, there's a lot more going on with AT&T, with their paying down their debt, uh, and, you know, what they will do to exploit the DC characters. Uh, so, uh, you know, this, people are still stunned by all this. So it, it's still, the smoke is still clearing. But, I mean, DC's going to continue to publish comics for now. Yeah. For sure. And- Warner owns a lot of stuff that they could sell off. Things that are like currently zombie properties not being used. Like frickin' Drama Fever. Like that was the number one app in the United States for like Korean and Chinese and Japanese dramas being translated. And Warner Brothers like owned it and got tired of it. Or well, AT&T owned it and got tired of it and was like, yeah, and they just stopped using that name, that property, that app. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they still have all those digital net, you know, asset programming yeah, assets yeah. in there <clears throat> that, you know, they could sell that to somebody. They could get some money. It could come back into existence. Like, well, if you're selling stuff off, sell off the stuff you're not using. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll, well say, I'll say this. You know what? I'll wrap this up. Then I don't want to hear you guys wrapping it up because we do have other things to talk about. You know, obviously we'll be talking about this for the yeah. next couple of months, but, um, uh, you know, last year at San Diego Comic Con, when they took away DC's booth and integrated into that big <laughs> Warner Media booth, yeah. and it was a disaster. Yeah. Everybody admits it was a disaster. But guess what? That seems to be the vision that we yep. have here. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, yeah I, I think it's uh, unfortunate. Um, we'll see. But you know, this is a new era for DC. DC now. I mean, there, uh, we may be lucky to still have a DC. But I am curious to see what kind of comics are they going to produce. I know all of the media frenzy around it is fascinating, but you know, uh, what kind of comics are we going to be seeing? Uh, what's going to be the emphasis? And um, there'll be more to come. Are they going to add, start adding more uh, veteran editorial presence um, as we move forward? So we'll see. Yeah. More. We will see. More to come, to oh. say the least. All right. Um, well, there's a mini bud laugh, I guess. A, a, a market correction <laughs> uh, at um, IDW. I don't know. Well, yeah. You know what? Uh, the Judd Meyer Myers uh, was named publisher uh, on a Friday. Um, five days later, he was named that he was on administrative leave, and then ten days after that, he was terminated. It was announced he had been terminated. So, anyway, goodbye, Judd. Yeah. Uh, 
pretty much all we know. Um, yep. There wasn't much information about it, but uh, it was pretty open and shut, it seemed. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, it, it just seemed that Myers had uh, some secrets in his past that – yeah. Uh, to be clear, you know, there's so much else going on, mostly the business side. It wasn't, um, you know, any kind of thing me too that we know of. But, uh, uh, you know, it seems like, yeah, the, the, the word of the street was that he owned a comic shop and when it went out of business, he owed Diamond a lot of money. And Diamond sort of wasn't thrilled to be working with him as the publisher in that case. So, you know, probably should have cleaned up your debts. Yeah. And we talked about this on a previous program also. Yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, so, the budget. But, um, uh, but what for IDW? I mean, holy but, crap. But a IDW lot of lurches into also a new era, and uh, and, it, and it's a little worrisome. Uh, the changes at the top of that company uh, over uh, the last year and a half, 18 months, whatever it is. Uh, it's a little startling. And there's more changes to come, I'm yeah. hearing. So. Yeah. Yeah. So what are I know that there it's all speculation. But what's some of the speculation that maybe you've heard around on this subject? Of what's to come? Yeah. Well, uh, I know they are bringing in a new marketing person who actually used to work at DC. So they haven't announced that yet. Uh so but that is that is happening. Um and the rest, you know, uh they I mean, are they going to bring in a new publisher? I mean, it looks like Bennington is going to uh uh keep both titles. Yeah, I think although they really wouldn't ask. I mean, I did try to get some answers uh, out of them and didn't really get any response. <clears throat> so, so uh, yeah, I um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. You know, there's uh, we're entering a new and dangerous phase right now of this entire story of of COVID nineteen of of the quarantine of the pandemic and how it's affecting retail and comics retail. Um, you know, I've been a, a very uh, worried about once the eviction moratorium is off, which it is, and the um, although I guess it got extended, you know, part time, and then you know people weren't getting their unemployment anymore, and you know people have been buying stuff on eBay like crazy. I heard a lot of shops had record months from selling stuff on eBay. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, well, people, good. You know, yeah. whatever keeps the business going. Yeah, but um, with you know, if I mean, just harking back to DC, and we should definitely research this and talk about it on our mm-hmm. next podcast when we're all together. Sure. But, uh, you know, if DC certainly is going to lower the amount of books it puts out every month. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, retailers are already upset about having to go to other distributors. So, you know, this was a huge. This is like thirty, thirty-five percent of the market every month. Uh, can retailers afford to lose thirty? out of their business to have it cut down to 20%? I mean... Were not retailers constantly saying that they were publishing too many books anyway? Yeah. I hear that a lot. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, that's what I've heard in our our annual feature. I mean, over and over again, too many books, too many books. Well, a lot of the... I mean, I'm going to say something that's going to sound cruel at this time, but I kind of need to say it. That when we say too many books, we don't mean like that fun, exciting indie book that, you know, somebody's no. making as a passion project. We're talking like five, four books, and you can't tell which is which, that kind of thing. So, Well, you know, we had this at a different point in the podcast but uh, on our topic list, but I'm actually going to bring it up now because I think it's really germane on this t- subject. So 
Uh, this week, uh, ICV2 launched new sales oh, yeah. charts because Diamonds, you know, used to send out their sales charts every month that were the sell-in to comic specialty stores. And then ICV2 ran some charts that are based – This is interesting, what, yes. you, what you found out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that they're based on Comic Hub and the sell-through data. And I talked about this on this podcast before, uh, the possibility of getting – Sell through data. Calvin, you did a story about it, didn't you? We talked about this, but we should probably remind our listeners what Comic Hub is and what it does. Um, I mean, and it's a point, it's a point of service. Um, uh, 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 what, what do you call it? It records what happens. It records sell through. Uh, uh, POS. Yeah. It's a point of sale system. Point of sale system, and it records what's bought by the consumer. Uh, uh, direct market stores have traditionally, uh, not been, if they're sell in, they buy, you know, they buy from their wholesaler, uh, you don't really know necessarily what the sales are, and that's what Diamond has always measured. So this is a new level of data collection, uh, in the direct market. Although, of course, there are retailers who are skeptical of the business relationships uh, between Comics Hub and retailers, which retailers in this business oh. are skeptical of everybody, yeah. as they probably should be. Right. Um, that said, um, there it's a new level of penetration and data collection for the direct market that can really let you know, even though it's a very small number of stores – What's being sold and bought by consumers? What's being sold by retailers and bought by consumers? Now, uh, I, Milton Greep, who runs ICV2, did mention that he is going to expand the number of stores that are reporting. Now, I don't know if he's going to do the kind of, um, you know, thing where retailers do a little, to, to, you know, tote up the number of books they sold and report on what they sold and you make a bestseller list, which is how the New York Times does their list and so on. Um, but, uh, there will be more data in this, but, um, now, the, the numbers that I hear of stores is the same numbers that I was hearing when I wrote my story, which was – was this last – was this at the last Comic-Con, San Diego? Um, so I'm always wondering how many stores are reporting. Right. Because this number seems static. I hear 85 yeah. was at my story, and I'm hearing like a year and a half, half later, and I'm hearing 85 again. So yes. Yeah, if there's I'm, no movement any in any direction, so yeah, uh, I mean that's a shame. So that uh, makes you wonder about the um, the size of the sample that we're getting. But right. still, it's fascinating. I mean, you don't we don't get these kind of numbers from direct and, market. And as I pointed out, every time I talk about this, sell through is what are you know the the numbers that consumers buy of anything is how we measure all this stuff. That's what bestseller lists are based on. That's what box office is based on. That's what yeah, book scan is. That's sell-through. Sound scan, that is sell-through. And that is how you track what consumer demand is, you know. So it's there's no other. to retailer demand. Right. Yeah. And there's right. no other business that used sell-in <laughs> as their metric. Yeah, it's generally not. I mean, it might be useful to distributors and the like, but it's not really something that you really would. <laughs> you want to know what consumers are buying, not what you know the retailers yeah. hope they will buy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the retailer numbers are useful. Somewhat, yes. if that's all you've got. But yes. if you can get sell through, that's oh, yeah, it definitely some value, of course. But this is this is the mother load. 
Yeah, well, let me tell you, I ran the story yesterday, and I was planning to make a big deal of it before all this DC stuff happened, because uh, to me it's huge. And then, you know, I wrote the story with what had happened to DC in mind, and I, I still think it's huge. I think as we come out of COVID and, and whatever changes happen at DC, that these having accurate or, you know, at least some measure of sell-through would be really huge for the industry, really big yes. part of it. And And, you know, I got, for me, like, a response from inside the industry, which to me is really only three or four notes. But if I get three or four people writing to tell me yeah. that that was a great story, it's so unusual. And let me tell you, I got like, you know, a few people writing to me telling me how much they love the story and how important it was. So, you know, that for me is really also very telling. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, I mean, look, data is going to change this business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's already changed it a lot, and it's going to change it even more. Yes. And um, uh, part of your story that I thought was interesting because you know I'm the book guy is the, is how the the uh, the top what is it the top 200 list change the top 20 list were changing from mm-hmm. Diamond to Comic Hub now very small sample in comparison to what um, you know Diamond was reporting. But, you know, the characters, the list was changed, and it's interesting to see what shows up. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, you know, there were, you know, non-DC and Marvel books, you know, that show up are very interesting. Yeah, and if you yeah. – oh, Kate, I'm sorry. Go on. No, go on. I, I, I was just going to say – I, I have, you know, we've talked about this in the podcast before, and I'm sure I told the same anecdote every time we bring it up, but it's such a key anecdote. I'm going to say it again in case you weren't listening, long-time listeners. I'm sorry I'm repeating myself, but, you know, SoundScan was the first uh, sales chart that was uh, at retail that measured – record sales through through the consumer before all the billboard charts were based on payola and yeah. people saying this is what we sold but then they instituted mm-hmm. SoundScan, which was exactly when it went through the pos you know the checkout the upc code it went to the sales and so the week before the number one chart uh, uh album was you know hysteria by def leppard which had been the number one album for like two years okay the week <laughs> after SoundScan, the number one album was nirvana yeah and it changed <laughs> Changed everything. The music go. industry changed completely that week, and yeah. uh, it was huge. And Bookskin has had that had a similar. Bookskin has had a, had a, certainly had a similar impact on the on the business, uh, and as far as how it's used, how numbers are seen, how people use it uh, to think about what they're going to publish, um, you know, as well as what they've already published. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then of course we have. Book scan and you know Kristen uh, really being um, uh, kind of key visionaries for looking at this market and seeing how it, how it will develop going down the road and how its products will be sold. So data, data, data. Yep. Here it comes, ready or not. But it is going to be curious to see if more and more stores are going to sign up for for Comic Hub because I mean that's what Book Scan is. It gets I point really of sale. Hope so data uh and it's from about 80 percent 70 80 percent of the of the the book selling universe so yes interesting story yeah so where are we here okay let's uh, see well now we have uh the controversy oh god yes uh i i mean i can't even i can't even describe this i mean do you want to do it heidi or do you i mean i can do, try do you have a handle on this story i mean <laughs> i am I know it, but it's so stupid. 
uh, and Bianca is such a wonderful cartoonist. Yeah. And be caught up in this, like, um, you mean, it, Cal, it, but it's you. you come, it's all you. You gotta do it. Okay. Go let me see if I can do it. I mean, uh, uh, Bianca, uh, Eunice, who's a wonderful, uh, cartoonist, uh, came up on the webcomic side. Uh, uh, she's, she's right on, uh, she's politicized, social, uh, and she, uh, is part of a collective, uh, you know, one of the few black women on a syndicated comic strip. She's right? only the second. Right, she's Steve's the is the second. other, right? Steve's is no, 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 she's not. There was another one, but it oh. was like 20 years ago. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Was that that, uh, what's her name? Uh, Barbara? Well, never yes. mind. No, I'm thinking mm-hmm. of something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, apologize yeah. for but not I mean, having the name. She's the second black um, female cartoonist yes. to and be nationally syndicated. And she's killing it, too. And what is it? What's it? The six chicks? Six chicks, uh, yeah. The strip is a collective where a multiple cartoonists uh, yeah, do this. So- yeah, whoever has a good cartoon that week, that's who's strip runs. Yeah, so, um, I mean, you could jump in too, Kate, because I find the thing, uh, completely dumb. I thought what I, what she did was a, a clever, subtle, I love her drawing, uh, her sense of humor, uh, so, but I also like how she connects it with, uh, with, with her life and with the kind of uh, social, the social challenges we run into. And it right. Was a, it so was a, let's describe the comic. Go for because it. Because it will make, make all of this make more sense. Sure. Okay, go so right ahead. The comic here. itself, with no other commentary on it, has two women apparently in a grocery store. One is carrying a bag with a loaf of bread. One is pushing a shopping cart. And one of the women is white and looks angry. And one of the women is black and wearing a, you know, a mask and a t-shirt that says, I can't breathe. And the white woman says, well, if you can't breathe, why don't you take that silly mask off? Now, <laughs> so to anybody great with <laughs> half a brain, the message is pretty clear, which is that it's, you know, negative toward people who both don't believe in um, ending police brutality and don't believe in stopping contagion are sort of equally awful. But unfortunately, part of the stupidity of this is some of the people complain, complaining were, how will we put this, idiots who read it the wrong way and who were like, oh, well, this comic is clearly anti-black. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how you get that reading out of that comic. I I can't. I, I can't comprehend how you would misread this comic that way, but apparently a number of people did and complained and were like, "How could you have this racist comic?" You um, know, I gotta, I gotta read this because I didn't quote it in my in my story because I just didn't want to, uh, I didn't want it in print. But I, I'm going to read you one of the letters. While oh, I am sometimes nice. amused or because pu- it's, it's, it's in, while I'm sometimes puzzled or not amused with the humor page, I was both shocked and offended by Bianca. Uh, uni six chicks in her drawing. Blah blah blah. So, uh, funny? I think not. Uh, <laughs> oh. This statement not only smears Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement, but also stomps on the now well-established scientific fact that masks are not silly but important in slowing COVID nineteen. <laughs> funny? I think. Imagine my surprise to discover cartoonist Eunice is a black woman. Was she aiming at irony or a portrayal of an incident? Whatever her motive, it clearly and simply did not work as she perhaps intended. Perhaps it should have appeared as an editorial cartoon with an explanatory article. An explanatory article? Although in some ways it was an editorial cartoon. I mean, to it me, she did, a, she did a very sly and very funny cartoon 
about basically how white people sometimes turn uh, real social issues into like just personal. Now, just get over it. Uh, I think there is a cartoon about someone really missing the point, and then we have uh, you know the the audience, the, really the audience missing the point as well. So uh, you know what? Uh, bravo, Bianca! Funny cartoon. Um, uh, her response to all this to me seems pretty much right on. Uh, she kind yeah. of like. Yeah, I don't need, I don't but, need this. But let's let's explain a little bit about what actually happened. Um, a number of newspapers ran an apology letter saying, "Yeah, oh, right, doesn't represent our feelings." Blah blah blah, leaving it very murky as to who the we is. Was the we Six Chicks Collective or was the we the newspaper? Now we know it was the newspapers, but people reading it might be like, "Oh, what's this about?" Like it was. It was just very badly done because it wasn't just people were complaining, which, I mean, people complain about anything. It's the fact that, like, newspapers took it seriously and were like, oh, no, <laughs> apologize for this terrible comment. I was like, you know, this does not rep- – when I first read this apology, it's like, this does not represent our values. I'm like – I like, you know, my first thought was, are you a white supremacist newspaper? I mean, you're like <laughs> no, sad your that, that you, you, uh, you know, featured the work of an actual black woman saying, you know, what she felt in her authentic experience. And then to find out, I mean, you know, immediately I thought, oh, you know, it's racism, but it's like, like, uh, false it's flag identity. racism. It's false flag. It's, it's, it's like, it's, yeah, it's like people, Oh God! You know, it's, I, 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 so sometimes when they say nobody can take a joke anymore, sometimes it's true. It is true. In this <laughs> I, case, it's, it's really true. It's not so much boy, that nobody oh can take a joke; is that nobody can comprehend a joke. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't, if, yeah. if you don't get this, you got a hole in your soul. Anyway, yeah. Well, so, anyway, you know, look, her name is hard to spell. It's Bianca X U N I S E. Uh, you can Google her. Uh, she has a Gumroad. I love her comics. I love. Yeah, go read her comics. She won Ignatz Award as the best newcomer. Stuff is delightful and an easy way to find her if you can't read her spelling is search yeah. for six chicks. It has yeah. an X at the end. Yeah. And, you know, she's part of the connective. And, yeah, you know, but, but, and you'll but, just but, see the name. It looks like Bianca Eunice. And you'll, yeah. Yeah. So check Bianca out her Eunice, comics. she rocks. She's, go, she's you know, she really does. Go buy her comics. She's awesome. Yeah, so you guys, after that story, I have some good news. Okay? Yeah, let's, yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. We the can good use news those. is that this fall, we will not be struggling to find a bathroom. At the Javits Center, because there's not going to be a New York Comic Con. Are you saying you're happy that New York Comic Con has been canceled? I'm not, but you know, like, I think we got complaints from our listeners because we spent our whole New York Comic Con wrap up complaining about the bathrooms. Well, look, have you ever been trapped at the Javits Center? (laughs) Anybody who has an issue with that has never been to New York Comic Con. That's right. All all I can say is an author. You know what? I can understand because there's nothing funny or entertaining about the bathrooms at New York Comic Con. But but but, occasionally they have an installation in them, which is (laughs) funny. The haunted bathroom. The haunted bathroom was yes, that was. But there's good news. You can use the bathroom at home because they're launching (laughs) New York. Unless there's a line in front of your own, maybe you set up a line just so you can feel like you're in New York Comic Con. But you know what? The digital New York Comic Con is coming. Uh, the week of October or the the weekend of October eighth through eleventh, not at the Javits Center, but in the Javits Center of your mind. Oh, uh, yeah. they will be totally, um, totally digital, and in their infinite wisdom, Reed Pop, 
apparently believes uh, you need two virtual uh, pop culture fiz- uh, festivals yeah, uh, within two months of each mark, other. Question mark, question so they're launching another uh, event, online event called the Metaverse, yeah. which is the weekend of August 13th through 16th, that I guess is a sort of dry run. That's this weekend. Well, it's on now. Today yeah, is right. Oh, right. Oh, excuse me. It's tonight. That's right. Yeah. So it's just kind of a dry run for, you know. Possibly. But e- there's also another e convention going on this weekend. Um, listeners who maybe always wish you could go to Flamcon, New York's LGBT oh, Comic Con. Right. Oh my it God, is Flamcon going on is absolutely weekend? free this weekend. Oh, it I is just starting that. on Saturday and it's running Saturday and Sunday. Oh, that's good. I really, I'm embarrassed that we didn't, Google I forgot about that. Flamcon, yeah, good. And you can, you know, watch their wonderful participation, you know, the presentations, but also they have a bonus that a lot of cons don't have. They are having a virtual convention party. So one thing that FlameCon is known for is having really awesome official parties with like a lot of entertainment and, you know, dancing, musicians, whatever. And so they are having a virtual party online where they're showing um, video of some of the best acts from their previous parties. So... You know, party on at home, people. Love it. Yeah, I'm actually looking at the Metaverse website live while we're talking. And <laughs> as a big artist, Ali, uh, you know, it looks nice. I will say the site looks nice. Uh, it's not, you know, it has, um, it has like different exhibitors. I mean, basically, it's an e-commerce site. But you know, guess what? Everybody is eing their commerce. Yeah. So if this, a, if we are living in an econ yeah. universe. Yeah, and they have panels to talk. At you know, least one, for now. Yeah. Yep, one suggestion: sure. if anybody from Read Pop is listening, uh, they have everybody listed alphabetically. It should be randomized because you know people often don't get to the T's. You know, so have it just like uh, shifting all the time, so you see people from different in a different order, I guess. Yeah. Should, I, I honestly think that what you should do is you you should use tags. Right. Yeah. Let the people come up with their own tags for what kind of stuff they do. And then people who are like, hey, I want anime art style art could, you know, hit that tag, get everything like that. People who are like, you know, I want cosplay goods, get the cosplay button, you know. And so that way you can be categorized in multiple different ways by a tagging system, which is not that hard. It's pretty common under a lot of different things these days. So tagging as your friend. Tag it, tag wow. it, tag it. Tag it, um, tag it, tag it. All right. But All right. I just want it to sound like we are anti-New York Comic Con. It's a huge part of my annual yeah, calendar. I mean, I'm going to miss it a lot. Um, but I no, will say sure. that if you want the authentic experience at home, um, you <laughs> definitely should uh, – like pick some just random food items and <laughs> eat them because they're quote unquote the only things you can find. Yeah. Like I don't know, like, like a do a, a takeout roulette or something, or a there hot dog, a hot dog, yeah, one yeah, hot pretzel, one Korean bun. Like I don't know, yeah. random, random stuff. Yeah, and if you and if you do get something bad, you know you got an express lane to the bathroom, so you're yep, good. That's it, because <clears throat> it's in your house. All right, okay. So, um, well, let's jump to another. Um, you know, in some ways, a story of uh, rebirth or initial rebirth. Um, the CBLDF has named an interim uh, executive director, and it's uh, Jeff Trexler, who's a lawyer, a comics fan, uh, a law, a, a, a comics IP analyst in cases, and he was on a great panel uh, that Heidi put together at Comic-Con and I moderated, um, about crowdfunding, about the legal aspects around crowdfunding. 
Yeah, well, Jeff, uh, you know, Jeff is a columnist for the Beat. Uh, he's represented the right. Beat and some and some legal. So, you know, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not object. You know, I have a and lot of conflicts been, of interest here, but he's commented for the Beat on some really big. Yeah, he has. You know, I mean, he uh, really legal issues around comics IP. When people in comics have a legal question, they often go to Jeff, yeah. and he's incredibly knowledgeable. I will say that. Uh, you know, he's got a tough road. Uh, there yes. is a lot of baggage about comic book legal defense fund yes. that is still coming out, and um, you know they have a lot of things that they yep. need to get in order. However, I will say, just from my standpoint, again, uh, it is called the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. So if you're going to get an eagle, uh, an interim director, getting a lawyer to do it is probably it a lawyer sense. who is a who is an IP lawyer and, uh, yeah, uh, you no know, kidding. is probably the best kind of person you could get to kind of see what's what. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. seems to, I mean, I don't know him well, but, uh, he, he was a great panelist, extremely knowledgeable. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he's one of us, you know, whatever that means. Uh, and, and, um, the CBLDF is, uh, just beginning a road to try to win back, uh, whatever stature and um uh and credibility uh it may have had at another time long ago yeah and what it's i think it's also just what its purpose is now yes you know, it's although mission. yeah i mean it's I, I, mission. although as kate will tell in her briefs uh you know the idea that that uh comics are being censored is still not uh, entirely missing but you know the, the express reason the cbldf was formed was to protect retailers who might be prosecuted for yeah. selling comics and they had to to handle several cases of that kind um yeah. seems like less of a worry now but um you know what is what is the what should the the what's yeah. in the cbldf what should they be doing well i mean Absolutely. i think it would make sense if they might have I mean, there are a number of things that cartoonists need legal defense for. And if they should branch out and cover a couple different forms of legal defense for cartoonists, um, that might be a reasonable thing to do. Um, so, yeah, news briefs? News briefs. So some of these briefs are happy and some of these briefs are unfortunately not. Um, oh, no, why don't we end with the good news? <laughs> Sorry, listeners. I'm trying to leave everyone in a happier mind space than our last group news podcast left us. Um, so let's start with some of the darker stuff. Um, Australia is doing a quote-unquote soft ban on a number of manga and light novels. They're saying it's uh, currently quote-unquote temporary, and they're saying, oh, we're going to review these books and decide which ones we want to keep the ban on and which ones we will rescind the ban on. Now, um, by soft ban, they mean that you can import it, but they can't sell it in stores in Australia or from Australian websites. Um, and so these include such major titles as No Game, No Life, Arrow Manga Sensei, Sword Art Online, which is a huge book, Goblin Slayer, Inside Mari, Parallel Paradise and Dragon R Academy. So basically their premise is appears to be that these contain possibly, possibly, they're not even committing. They're like, we're going to pull them just in case they have too much mm. sexual content, but we're going to review it and let you know. Like, I, I don't even understand. It's about erotic like, why content. Why not review it right? and then do your ban if you really must? But Yeah, you would think. This is, is this about erotic content? Is that what it's about? Yes, it's about theoretical possible erotic content, yeah. which they haven't even agreed upon yet. Yeah. Um, it's very odd. Uh, I mean, this, this is actual censorship. 
right? Yeah, sure. A lot of people moan on and on about censorship. But what they really mean is this store doesn't want to carry my things. Um, uh, these people say they don't like me. Um, but this is not that. This is an actual government saying, I don't think you can sell this comic here. Yeah. You can't sell this comic in your stores. That's censorship. Yes, um, it is. Yes, it is. All right. And as part of that, um, kind of a branching off thing, possibly inspired by that, because there's a definite overlap in titles, not censorship, but certainly sad and definitely not transparent. They're not explaining why they're doing it. Amazon has decided to pull a number of eight light novel and manga titles, including a number of the ones on this list, um, from Kindle worldwide. They're not explaining why, um, but they are pulling a number of titles, including No Game, No Life, and Arrow Manga Sensei. So, hmm. um, you know, that can be problematic given what a major thing Amazon is as far as sales go, but it is not actually censorship, although it would be great if they were a little more transparent about their business decisions. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. And, but a different manga is going to be pulled for a completely different and much sadder reason. Um, the manga Act Age, which was a manga about a acting obsessed teenage girl is being pulled because the writer, Tatsuya Matsuki, has been arrested for and is being investigated for sexually assaulting two middle school-aged girls. Yikes. Um, and indeed, since that's kind of the demographic that these books are aimed at, uh, I think that may yeah. have contributed to um, why his book got immediately pulled. Um, yeah, well, because that's for he sure. definitely would be putting his readers at, at risk if he should get out because – like that's just a terrible combo of yeah things. Unfor- it's really unfortunate for his artist who is, you know, a woman named Shiro Usazaki. Hopefully she'll find another title to work on. Um this is just a really dark moment. But in a weird way, it's kind of reassuring that instead of, you know, defending him or saying you know the art, not the man. Whatever that they're like. No, we're pulling this book. <laughs> yes. like, yeah, no. This, this guy is a sexual predator yeah. of teenage girls, yeah, and we're sure. selling this book to teenage girls. And yeah, no. So uh, my sympathies to fans of the manga and to the artist, and um, let's hope that <laughs> there are fewer predators in comics. Boy, that's um, something to wish for. Yeah, let's all wish for that. Fewer predators in comics. Uh, Yeah, but now some good news. So the GLAAD Awards have come out, and they've awarded um, the the Star Wars Dr. Aphra comic about sort of morally ambiguous uh, trickster (laughs) archaeologist character um, as their outstanding LGBT comic of the year. It's a really fun book. Um, Cy Spurrier is the current writer of that book. The creator was Karen Gillen and Salvador La Roca. Um, so congratulations to everyone involved in that book. And also um, in awards, um, the Hugo Awards have been awarded this year. Uh, and despite some hiccups with the award speech, 
which we won't go into here, listeners. <laughs> the less, less said about the yeah. better. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not very well thought out. But hey, at least it wasn't in person and no one could throw it We're tomatoes. talking about you, George R.R. R. Martin, but go on. Yeah, but we still love you, George R.R. R. Martin. We still but love you, but come on, man. No speeches. You're not good. You can, you're better than that. Better than this. Um, we have not one, but two comics winners because one is the graphic story winner for 2020 and one is the graphic story winner actually for their retro Hugo. So basically the Hugo Awards were only awarded in 19, starting in 1953, but that is not when science fiction started. So, um, recently every year at the Hugos, they give two sets of awards, one for the current year and one for one year in the past when the award was not given. So this year's winner for the 2020 Hugo Award for the Best Science Fiction Graphic Story goes Nettie Okorafor and uh, Tana Ford. Um, cool. It also won the Eisner Award for Best Graphic Album yeah. for their book, cool Guardia. It's, it's a book that is kind of an immigration allegory set in a space airport kind of a it sounds a lot like LaGuardia oh that's the name of the book (laughs) that's the name of the book LaGuardia but it's a wonderful book it's very smart it's very clever it is a a kind of uh, intergalactic allegory about immigration uh and it puts you know uh Nigeria kind of at the focus of it in many ways so it's got a lot of really interesting uh, themes, motives, and it's a beautiful, uh, beautifully colored book, by the way. It's just, it's really smart. You know, it's uh, from Burger Books. You know what? Let's mm-hmm. just say it. Karen Berger is a great publisher, a great editor. Uh, yes. you know, she puts out a lot of good books. And of so, course, yeah. Corfor is a much, yeah. uh, yeah. decorated, acclaimed yeah. science fiction She's writer. She's a great author. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I will say something petty. Um, listeners, don't be put <laughs> off by the cover. The cover design was kind of cheap uh, and crappy looking, but don't be put off by that. The book's amazing. <laughs> Pick it up. Read it. It's a, I think it's a, yeah, I really love yeah. the book. I really And, it. um, the Hugo Award for Best Graphic Story from 1945 went to Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Yeah. Oh, not bad. All right. Yeah, for the Superman title, The Mysterious Mr. Mixiplek. All right. So, which originally published in Superman number 30. So, Congratulations to the late Siegel and Schuster for never finally winning late. a much deserved exactly. Hugo. It's never too late. It's never too late. Well, I think that's never too late to say, uh, that wraps up another episode. And, uh, you listeners, if you made it this far, don't forget, you can like us. You can rate us. You can write right. to us. And we'd love us to hear know. from you. Hit us yeah. up. Get us up. Subscribe. Don't yeah. worry, listeners. I know this was a huge bowl of comics news, but we're not running out anytime soon. <laughs> no. There will always be more to come.